Hi, this is Mario Andretti. Mark Blundell. Mark Priestley. Claire Cottingham. Ben Edwards. Jamie Chadwick. Mark Gallagher. Freddie Hunt. Bobby Eaton. Craig Scarborough. Alex Brundle. You're listening to... And you're listening to... You're listening to... Everything F1. Everything F1. Everything F1. Everything F1 podcast. Driven. Driven. Driven, driven by fans. For fans. Hello and welcome to the Everything Everyone podcast with me, James Tiller, and alongside me today from the Everything Everyone team, you can probably see quite a few of us today on the screen if you're watching us on live on Facebook, but we've got the old hand, Coops. Hi Coops, how are you? Uh, I was fine until you said old, but uh, Old as in old to Everything Everyone? Does that, does that no, get no, me out no, of no, a... I'm, I mean, let's, let's face facts, I'm the oldest one sitting here. Yes, you are. You are. Yeah, thanks. Uh-huh. <laughs> but you're good? Yeah, not too bad. Thank you. Good, good. We've also got Amy Palmer. Hiya, Amy. How are you? Hi, I'm good. How are you? And you're actually one of the older to Everything F1 panellists today, so that must feel good. Oh, you know, I mean, you, you've only been here for about six months, <laughs> but you, you, you're one of the older panellists now uh, in terms of being here for Everything F1. You had a good week? Yeah, great, actually. Looking forward to this podcast. <laughs> Brilliant. Fantastic. We've also got Manon alongside us today, not with Maya today, just, no, just, Ma- just, just Manon alone, as it says there on the Zoom link. How are you doing? <laughs> Have you, you had a busy week? Yeah, I've had a busy weekend, so I'm a bit tired, but, uh, you know, back at work. <laughs> you've you've travelled around, haven't you, over, over the weekend? Yeah. Over the whole, what did, did you get um, up to? I did an F1 road trip. I went to Red Bull and Martin Keynes. Then I went to the Mercedes headquarters, Aston Martin, Silverstone, Williams, stopped by Alpine, which don't do it. It's in the middle of nowhere. Don't recommend. <laughs> Those roads are terrifying to drive on, but right. you know, I decided it. That was fun. Oh, good. So you've had a good weekend then. Yeah. And we've also got Natalia. These are these are new new voices to the podcast from the Everything F1 team. You've probably not heard them before, but hopefully we'll hear them a lot more over the coming months and the future. Hi, Natalia. How are you? Hello, everyone. I hope everyone is okay. I hope you're having an amazing weekend. And thank you so much for having me. No problem at all. You Have you had a busy weekend yourself? You've been up to much? It has been a really, really easy week weekend for me. Thank God. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, but I'm actually waiting for the weekend soon. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> good, good. Well, yeah, we all like the weekend. It means less work, more fun. We've also got alongside us today a guest coming along to speak to us. His name is Oli Patas, and you might have seen him around on TikTok or other social medias. Hi, Oli. How are you? Hello, James. How are you doing? Thank you for having me on. Really appreciate it. Yep, no problem at all. For our fans that might not know you, you who you want to give a plug to your socials so, so they can go over to, to watch you? Yeah, so I've had a TikTok account for a couple of years now. Simply my name, Ollie Patas. I run a subscription service to give F1 fans a platform. I use my TikTok channel to promote that and give that platform to those fans. I'm also a host down at the F1 Arcade for the watch parties. Fantastic. And I've been to the watch parties and I've seen you there. So yeah, absolutely fantastic. Brilliant. We're Everything F1. You can find us on all our social platforms. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. We're also on our shiny website, www.everythingf1.com, where you can find news articles every single day of the week, giving you all the latest details and latest news stories from around the F1 paddock. We've also got this podcast that you're listening to here. We would love it if you would hit the subscribe button on your favorite podcast streaming service to get all of our latest podcasts in your earlobes as soon 
as they drop. We are also sponsored by theraceworks.com. They are a fantastic merchandise company, getting stuff delivered to you all over the world. And you can get anything from any team across the grid. They really do cater to everyone's team choices. So get yourself on there. If you want 10% off the whole site, so that's from everything from Aston Martin gear to Red Bull to Ferrari to Mercedes. If you want 10% off every purchase, so you can do so if you use the code EF1 at checkout. By doing that, you would also be supporting us here on the podcast. So we would really appreciate your use of it. Now, the news this week has been pretty thin on the ground. So I think the news section and segment of this will be quite short. Coops, have any news articles jumped out at you this week that you want to speak about? Yes, I don't know if any of the panelists know how to say denied in Italian. No, because they're they're right <laughs> to review the five second the five second penalty given to Carlos Sainz uh, was rejected by the stewards. Right, okay, uh, which means that's it. He he, he finished twelfth, and there's no more to go. So basically, the way it works is you can't appeal a, a race penalty. However, you can ask for a right to review, which mm-hmm. is similar to what happened with the. Oh, let me see if I can get this right. It's the Aston Martin pit thing, you know, with the jack and the five-second penalty and did a lot yeah. of serve it, and all that kind of stuff, uh, which I thought was great. They actually had videos of seven different instances where the, a jack touched a car and it was brilliant. Like, they actually had that bank. That was brilliant. Anyway, so they asked for a right to review, which means that Ferrari have basically, in the layman's terms, Ferrari have said that the stewards gave the penalty without looking at the information. They have new information, which means that them that the decision may be invalid. I've looked at this information and went, nah, it's not enough. It's not material enough to make to change the decision. So in essence, they've looked at it and went, no, we still would have gave you the five seconds. So mm. that's it then. Yeah, the the Ferrari team have obviously acknowledged this with their, their own note as well. They say, we acknowledge the FIA decision not to grant us the right of review in relation to the penalty imposed on Carlos Sainz at the 2023 Australian Grand Prix. We are naturally disappointed and feel that, uh, and felt that we had provided sufficient significant new elements for the FIA to re-examine the decision, especially in the context of the particular conditions and multiple incidents that occurred during the final restart. We are, however, respectful of the process and of the FIA decision. We are now looking forward to in entering broader discussions with the FIA, F1 and all the teams with the aim of further improving the uh, improving the policing of our sport in order to ensure the highest level of fairness and consistency that our sport deserves. Now, it's really difficult to read because they did it on a red background with white writing and I was doing that after the thing. It's just <laughs> so difficult. Choose a different colour, guys. It's not very easy to read. Especially when you're Ferrari on a podcast. to choose a different <laughs> colour than red? Come on, man. I know, uh, but maybe not the white writing. It just set my eyes funny. Yeah, um, but yeah, that looks like they're moving forward. They don't agree with it. And I think they've got a, an axe to grind with the FIA by the sounds of it. And and I don't think it's the last we're going to hear of it in terms of, you know, having having a go at the FIA. Let's go. Let's find someone else's opinion about this. Let's go to Ollie because he's our guest. Ollie, what were your, what were your thoughts on this, this whole situation with Carlisle Sainz? Do you think Ferrari were in the right to kind of appeal this? Or do you think it was probably a, always a kind of a non-starter? Yeah, I think they're definitely in the right to appeal it. You know, he got a penalty for an incident that happened in a race start that ended up being null and void in the end because it went back to the original order. That's to start with. And second of all, you've got to think how much was it actually Tarsus Knight's fault? You know, it's the first lap. They always tend to cut a bit of slack on the first lap. They have done in the last few years anyway. He didn't particularly outbreak himself that much. He didn't go that deep. 
Alonso just happened to be cutting inside. I think it's just a racing incident. It happens and he was punished harshly and unfairly as well because, it, like I said, it happened in a race start that was then null and void. Yeah, absolutely. Let's find out what Manon thinks. Manon, what what are your thoughts? You're a, a Red Bull fan, aren't you? So yeah, well, does this, I mean, does this affect your thought process when looking at the situation? No, no, because I I really like Carlos and I feel sorry for Ferrari. They're not having the the best season so far. So I think it's yeah, I think because the consequences were void, it's a bit pointless. Also, the whole five second penalty. It's not just five seconds when it wasn't a safety car. So a five-second penalty instantly puts you last. So it's mm. not even giving him a chance to catch up or anything. Obviously, it happened towards the end. But my main issue with it is that everyone completely overlooked the Sergeant DeVries accident. The Alpine thing was deemed racing incident because I mm. guess it was convenient for Pierre not to get any penalty, bless him. But so, like, there were three incidents, and I felt like Carlos's penalty was the harshest, even though the crush in itself was, it was a touch that caused a spin. It wasn't even a crush, but, like, the other two crushes caused DNFs, ruined the, mm. the races, and nothing happened to Logan, which, you know, I'm not wishing penalties on anyone, but Carlos got two penalty points, which is massive and could have consequences later in the season. So even though Logan DNF, so it wouldn't have changed his race anyway, penalty points could have then affected his season. So I felt like there's a lack of consistency on that on that point. Are you accusing the FIA of being inconsistent? I am, and I stand by. <laughs> Don't worry, we've, we've mentioned it very, very, very many times on previous podcasts. Haven't we, Amy? You've been on a few. What were your thoughts on the whole situation with Carlos Sainz? Are you um... gutted for him? It was a weird one for me because I actually watched the Australian Grand Prix later. So I had to, I, I had my phone on absolute silent. I was like, I can't hear anything. And then all of a sudden I'm like, my brother just goes to me, you've got to watch the race. I was like, okay, okay. So, and then I watched it and I was just a bit, con- with the Carlos incident, I was just like, I didn't understand. I kind of agree with Manon. I didn't understand why he had a penalty, yet others who I, in my opinion, possibly deserved more of a penalty than Carlos, didn't Mm. get one. And I don't get that. But then I kind of, after I looked at it, I can see why they gave him the five-second penalty. But yet again, the FIA just being so inconsistent all all the time. And I think it's coming to the point where is it really a fair sport anymore? Because the FIA is so inconsistent with giving out penalties and they do it late as well and it doesn't help. Like if they made that decision earlier on, they could have been something Carlos could have done, the team could have done. And I think they, the way that I think the FIA are dealing with things, especially in recent seasons, have kind of put fans on edge with them. I don't think they're helping themselves and they need to kind of like sort their like a famous game out of it, I think. Absolutely. And that kind of draws back to what Ferrari said in their statement, doesn't it? You know, we need to really look at the policing and how how the FIA are handling everything because it is, you know, changing the sport and kind of setting different precedents that that, you know, perhaps aren't going to be helpful later down in the line. And Natalia, let's let's kind of get the last opinion on this. Are you a Ferrari fan over there in Colombia? Yeah, I'm actually are. So it's it's kind of have been a really, you know, hard start of the season for me. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I still have faith, you know, I'm hoping for the best. But actually, uh, a similar thing happened to me as Amy. I was actually in the middle of my travel. So it was very hard for me to just wake up really early. And I was falling asleep. And every time I woke up, like in the middle of the race, there was a red flag. And I was like, what is happening? Like, <laughs> is this not... 
like is the I'm dreaming I, I was like really shocked but and since I was like really you know surprised by that I tried to keep myself up at the end of the race and yeah I was kind of surprised especially for what Manon say like the other two crashes were completely you know like for forgotten like like mm. they never happened and I was like, like you know it's really unfair and some of the fans were saying on social media like what would have happened if, you know, the team that, you know, appealed for the penalty was another team, not just Ferrari? So is this like kind of some kind of situation against Ferrari? So, yeah, I've seen that discussion online and, you know, it's really like uncomfortable because, yeah, of course, Ferrari is having a very tough, you know, start of the season and then this is happening. And, you know, I've never expected Carlos to just come up online and, on his stories and say that it was like very disappointing for him to, you know, he is still thinking that the penalty wasn't fair. And, you know, I think, um, I think that too, you know, I think it could be, it could have been solved differently. Absolutely. It could. Well, consistency is the key, isn't it? Because if Carlos Sainz got the five second penalty and the two points, then maybe, maybe Pierre should have got five second penalty and two points on his license. Now, obviously we know that would have mean meant that Pierre Gasly would have had to miss a race. But if he has to miss a race so the FIA can be seem consistent, then I'm sorry, Pierre, you've got to miss a race. That's that's my opinion on the on the on the thing anyway. Because what is what is it if if we can't watch consistent race, we can't watch consistent decisions, it really is just a potluck at who's in the seat at the at the stewards department and who's going to make the decision as to how they're feeling. And and that's not how a, a sport should be regulated and how it should be policed. Coops, you want a final word on that as you brought it up as your story? I think the, the Alpine thing was a strange one, actually, because uh, when Ocon was speaking to the media before he went to the stewards, he kind of pinned the blame on Gasly, and he was kind of like, it's, it's his fault. But the team, I think, had words with him and said, look, mate, look, you need to tone that down. So by the time he got to the stewards, they admitted part each. So that's why there wasn't any kind of penalty. I didn't know this at the time. It was later on I found this out. Uh, so basically, what? Yeah, but you, you you can't give a penalty based upon oh some how two drivers spoke to each other after the, at the end of the race. You've got to make that decision based upon what happened on the track. You know, like, not, a, like a referee no. giving a red card, he's going to give a red card to you know somebody who trips or somebody off using a two footed tackle. And if that happens twice in a football game, then two red cards should be given. Whereas it wasn't kind of issued in the same way during the the race. Well, no, because I think. With the situation with the Alpines, that's one of those ones where the stewards would have looked at that and decided, right, we need to have a chat with these two. Let's just figure out where this was going. Carlos wanted to have that chat. It would have still been a five-second penalty because the stewards have basically said that he was that far in the wrong, he's getting a penalty, whereas the other ones, they've deemed racing incidents. And by the time that the two Alpine drivers have went to the stewards, the team have had a chat with them and basically said to Ocon, kind of admit it was kind of your fault and kind of played it down. So they've obviously went, right, okay. And also the stewards had decided that because it was the teammates have hit each other and pretty much destroyed their cars, they've done enough to penalise themselves already, if you follow. So they've just decided, you know, no, you've already done enough damage to yourselves. It's two teammates, your cars are written off, there's issues by behind the scenes, on you go. That has gone against things that other people have said previously about, you know, the what happens after, you know, subsequently shouldn't affect the the decision of the incident itself. I kind of agree with that, to be fair. Anyway, let's move on to a different different subject. Has anyone got any other news articles they want to speak about? Amy, have you seen anything in the news that you want to bring to the table? 
Uh, the only thing I can really think of would be the pit stop boys situation. Okay. Uh, just touching lightly on that, I think that's just stemmed from like a whole new set of issues within the sport. Mm-hmm. And just on the whole, I think like content creators and anyone, like writers, anyone, you educate yourselves before you create that content. That's mm. the point of what that's why we do it we don't we do our research we before going on anything that's and we enjoy that that's why we create the content Mm -hmm. and I feel as if though maybe they should have done a little bit more educating before going on to a podcast that they didn't really in my opinion treat it respectfully okay well let's let's break down what happened then so the pit stop boys are a podcast that started last year they are two non-F1 fans, non-F1 fanatics from previously. I think they've watched a bit of the sport up until this point, but then last year started a podcast kind of saying that they're beginners. Fair enough. The Drive to Survive has brought on, you know, fans that are in a similar position. That's so that they're learning the learning the sport along with, you know, the rest of their listeners, probably. But they go on to the Screaming Meals podcast, which is another podcast for, uh, done by F2 drivers. And basically, obviously, they, they've, they've shared their opinions about we didn't know who the F you were, and this they're saying this to Juan Manuel Correa, who had a, a massive crash with Antoine Hubert a few years back, and obviously, which sadly ended the life of Antoine Hubert, and obviously put Correa in hospital and, and had a massive recovery period because of it. So to say we didn't know who the F you were, using obviously deflammatory language, it just doesn't sound right to to, to kind of listeners or anyone who's kind of watching the the, the podcast itself it, it just doesn't sit sit well with me. Now, obviously, it's caused a massive uproar on social media, people calling to cancel, people calling to kind of, you know, he should they should apologize. They have come out and they have apologized for the for, for the situation. They're saying they're embarrassed by it. But it kind of opens that question and it kind of opens that line of questioning. Should your content creators should, like Amy said, learning about the people they speak to speak to, should they be, should these be given the platform that they've been given? They've been given so many kind of advantages because of, the, of who they are. You know, they've been given pit access, paddock access, things that only other content creators would dream of. They interviewed some huge names in the F1 world, all without any kind of knowledge or any kind of understanding of how the industry works really let's kind of throw this out to the panel let's go to ollie first as our guest what what do you think ollie what did you kind of think when you saw it happen when the news broke of it going on and and then kind of what opinions have you formed since yeah i mean obviously i've seen clips on tiktok haven't watched the whole podcast because quite frankly i'm not massively interested in, in watching that podcast i've seen clips on tiktok obviously a lot of people think what they said is wrong and it probably is but in my opinion it's not my fight i'm not gonna try and cancel them not going to slate them for this or that. Yeah, I don't think it's our job as creators or fans of the sport to try and cancel them. At the end of the day, they made a very good podcast. They did very well. And they earned their way into the F1 paddock and they earned those privileges. And they did a very good job. Maybe what they've said isn't right. Again, like I said, that's not for me to judge. I just think we shouldn't be trying to cancel them. Can okay. I pose the question then that if when it, Pit Stop Boys first came out, it was very much... Like, if they were female, would the sort of hype of their podcast be the same? Because you wouldn't necessarily, in the content creation world right now, especially F1, female content creators, I feel, get a lot more 
hate and comments towards them as if they don't know anything about the sport. But if they started a podcast where they didn't know anything about the sport, I don't think they would get the same reaction as the pit stop boys did. Well, we will never know. But I'd argue they'd perhaps have the same level of success, if not more, because obviously it's great to have diversity and representation in the sport and they'd want to get great faces like that into the sport, into the limelight. Well, I'm not 100% sure that just any women could do could turn up and do that because let's let's face it, they had a massive following in on their socials before they started the Pit Stop Boys, which is why they got instant traction. So I don't think that any women could just step into the kind of fray and get the same sort of attention personally. That's my opinion. Manon, you were shaking your head at various points. What, what do you what do you think about the whole situation? I think objectively, without even speaking as a woman, like as a female fan, I think what happened with the pit stop guys and other boys, because the pit stop boys are actually the ones writing song about Max Verstappen, and I respect them. I think the the real issue is that, so like you said, they had a following from previous podcasts, and suddenly they discovered Formula One through Drive to Survive. And so I felt like originally they probably created that podcast for the, the fans of their previous podcast, which was football. So it was sort of like, hey, football fans, come with us, learn about F1. Like their podcast wasn't really aimed at F1 fans to start with. So I, I get the whole like, you know, the whole gimmick of we don't know anything, learn with us. And then on the other side, you have the Screaming Males podcast, which I think Marcus Armstrong, who's on it, said once that 98% of their audience is girls and females. And they also happen to talk about racing a lot, obviously, because they're racing drivers and you put them in a room for 20 minutes and that's what they start talking about. So basically the pit stop guys who are known for not knowing anything and chatting to the lads suddenly came on a podcast that is watched by girls who are really interested in the racing and the technicalities. And those two did not work because the pit stop, pit stop guys are not, they're not meant to talk to F1 fans who know that they're S word, who know what yeah. they're talking about. <laughs> so suddenly it was like, oh well, those guys are those guys are clowns. Not only they don't know about it, but they seem to don't to not really like it anyway. Mm. And so obviously I'm not saying we need to cancel them, they should lose their audience. But alternatively, and I'm thinking about you know your podcast, this podcast, or any other podcast that is run by actual fans who want to discuss the racing and the politics and the rules, the pit stop guys have access to those things. They have access to the drivers, they have access to mechanics, they have access to performance coaches, like those amazing interviews that podcaster fans would dream of. So that's what the frustration is. They're sort of like bled into a field that wasn't their original field. And I think that's where like the, the conflict starts. It's like the female fans who are trying so hard to show that they're here for the racing, that they're here for the technicalities, that they're here for the strategy, that that's like geeking out about like tire compounds. Suddenly are faced with guys building success on what they're criticized for. And so, yeah, those two just didn't work. So I'm sorry, fangirls did what fangirls do best. They use their power, they use the internet, and they kill their rating. And if, I don't think that's cancel culture. I think, you know, you as a creator, you, you're only where you are because of your audience. And if the audience decides that maybe you shouldn't get what you get then it's it is nature taking care of itself in a way like i mean maybe they'll come back from it because their male audience will still be there still be there but the female audience is as entitled to give their negative opinion agreed anyone else want to add 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 into that jacoops do you want to do you want to add anything to that i haven't well i know who the pit stop boys are i know what they're about uh, there's a difference between having a niche which is two people that are very new to the sport and you know 
and it's a very good niche in terms of you're watching, you're following two people learn the sport. They, you know, okay, it's a different thing about how quickly they've been able to get access to the people they've got. But there's a very, there's a big difference about having a niche about being beginners and being naive to being disrespectful. And mm. that is what the problem is. I've watched the clip that it's going around. I haven't watched a, a game again like Ollie. I haven't, I've got no interest in watching the full thing. But I've seen the parts that seem to have rubbed people up the wrong way in terms of what he said to Juan Manuel uh, Carrera. And then I think the other one said, look, let's face it, nobody really cares that you're about the racing or whatever it was, words to that effect. You know, you kind of have to just understand your audience, understand mm. who you're with, who you're sitting with. They were you sitting know. with F2 drivers that kind of put, put their life on the line, you know, or IndyCar drivers. These are people that are doing every single week a really dangerous sport and putting their life on the lines to entertain the audience that are listening to them and, and, and the audience wanting to hear their opinions on things. And then you're coming on just completely, totally disrespecting their their audience and their achievements. Yeah, and it, it's interesting seeing the way that people have reacted to it. And I think the, the idea, like, they they haven't learned, they haven't grown with the sport. They've found a niche, they've stuck with it. Now they've been going for a while. And if you've seen the, 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 if you've seen the podcast grow with it and they, they were very beginners and didn't really know what was going on and then as the episode went on, they started to know a bit more and they started to learn and go with it. I mean, I think he's been open and honest with a couple of the guys from what I've read, whether it's true or not, say things like he doesn't like doing research. They don't bother. It's as if they've got tough, we've already got what we want, we're not going to learn. And that's starting to rub people up the wrong way. Like we spend a lot of time as a collective and in, in our podcast and every other ones that we've seen online, researching, talking, discussing things and trying to figure out like, what's the next content, what can we do, guests. We spend a lot of time and hours, much to partners, you know, anger and frustrations and, you know. <laughs> and then you get these guys who have all this access who openly admit Ah, we don't do research. You know, it, it does, and I can see why, and I don't want people cancelled because I cannot be asked with this cancel culture. You can't see people going back 10 years of tweets because somebody said something they disagree with and decide we're going to cancel you today or whatever. You know, you can't, like, like enough's enough when it comes to that, and I, I 100% agree with Ollie. We, there's no need for cancel culture, they, they, but they need to learn to respect the situation and understand we've made a bit of a mistake here. Interestingly, I do like that the conversations moved over to the, the female aspects of it. And, you know, a lot of female uh, content creators going, if we acted like that, we wouldn't have a podcast or a platform by the next day. If we came on, and I do, I do, uh, I do agree. I think it is Marin said there, like if we had two female content creators that came on and behaved in a similar way that they two would be, there's no way it would last. It would be shut down very quickly. And even... We've seen it, you know, they've, they've made comments on Twitter, I've read a few of them where when they, when like female content creators say that they're Formula One content creators, they run podcasts or do what they do, people are like, we'll prove it. It's like female fans of football, or you like football, explain the offside rule. You know, it's like they're constantly having to prove themselves. And these two, you know, white middle-class men aren't being held up to the same kind of expectations. I think we probably rinsed this topic a bit, but it's rubbed up the audience, certain members of the audience of, of either their podcast or the Screaming Meals podcast and the wider world of Formula One. It's rubbed them up the wrong way. But will they be cancelled? Do they deserve to be cancelled? And we'll leave that up to you. I think before we move on, I think what they might find is I don't think that access will be quite as freely given. I think they might be reined in a wee bit 
I mean, this mm. is pure speculation. I think there'll be a few kind of teams that'll be kind of like, mm, maybe not. And I think maybe, they, maybe I they've think, kind of burnt their bridges somewhere. They, I mean, I wouldn't say permanently. I don't think they're going to disappear. I think a few teams will be like, right, you need to kind of prove yourself here and show that you're deserving of what you're getting. <laughs> well, we won't go too much into into it anymore. I think we've we've kind of flogged the horse a little bit, but we can move on to a another subject. Have you got any news articles that have jumped out at you over the past week? So there was just one article that, I mean, there's an article which was just a, a badly rip-off of another article which was about whether Yuki Tsunoda could potentially join Red Bull after Sergio Perez's contract and, and whether he'd be ready. And while I think it's all dependent, because it was a quote from the, the Avatari team principal, Franz Todt, who said that he thought Yuki was getting better and better and that he would probably be ready in 2025. I think it's a, it's a nice conversation to have about like the Red Bull juniors and what is going on in that landscape. And speaking of junior, we could also mention that that is the exciting rookie testing in Formula E this week, because it's just, I think like there's so much talent in the, in the feeder series at the moment. And it's quite a, it's quite exciting. And I guess I've taken those three weeks of no F1 to sort of like really look into it. So, yeah. Let's look into your first point then. Yuki Tsunoda to take over Sergio Perez. Let's have an audible show of hands or just say yes. Do you think he's done enough to be worthy of a seat in the main Red Bull team? So I'm going to start with Coops. Do you think Yuki's no. done enough? No. Okay. Amy, do you think do you think Yuki could be a Red Bull driver next year or when Sergio Perez's contract runs out? Not with the competition nowadays. Right, if you okay. asked me maybe a year or two ago, potentially, but I think there's just too much competition. Okay. Ollie, what do you reckon? No, I do not think he's done enough. No, I don't either. I'm, I'm, I'm jumping there. I don't think he's done enough. He's not proven himself worthy of a, of the top seat just yet. Natalia? Same as Amy. I don't think that he no. would have got no, he's, I just don't think he's the guy. Manon, let's go back to you because obviously you posed it as, you, you know, you, you read the article and what do you think? Do you think Yuki is the next Red Bull driver? No, sadly, I don't. <laughs> I mean, maybe a miracle would happen this year or next year, but I feel like it's still a bit, you know, it's hard to, to, I don't know, to help back a little bit. And imagine him and Max as teammates, like the engineers would have a, like a field day on the radio. They were just like... And like mm. F1 TV having to beep everything. It's just... <laughs> <laughs> I just don't think he, he's not he's not ready yet. And I don't think he's he's done enough in the AlphaTauri team to to warrant being you know promoted. And I think there are other drivers that Red Bull would rather put in the space before him, to be fair. Yeah, I think even Nick DeVries would probably get a seat before before Yuki in the in the big team. But maybe that's me just being a bit speculative there. Um what are the juniors? What are the juniors? Would you would you put in a Red Bull team then? If if you weren't going to go for your 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 third driver of Daniel Ricciardo to to replace Sergio Perez, who would you use? I I think, in in my own opinion, I think because of the Pierre Gasly Alex Albon years, mm-hmm. Red Bull wouldn't put Red Bull Junior straight into Red Bull. Uh, right. I think they they really want, and that's why they signed Sergio, and that's why they put. I mean, Nick Davis is technically a rookie, but is a world champion in Formula E. So even in AlphaTauri, which is the junior team, mm. they're sort of like putting people who have really, really proven themselves in the junior team. So for them to put someone in the Red Bull seat, they they gave Pierre a chance. They, you know, I think they cut him a bit 
too soon. And also cut Alex Albon quite soon in favor of signing Sergio, who was then a race winner with a lot of experience. So obviously mm. I am biased because I would love to see Daniel back at Red Bull, but I really think they would need to, the person they, they're rooting for, they're backing for Red Bull, they would need to put them in AlphaTauri first and see how it goes. I really don't see them putting a rookie in Red Bull. Like they won't make that mistake again. Not that Pierre was a rookie, but you know, like it proves yeah. that they've tried it. It didn't really work. So I really don't see it. Don't, don't see Red Bull do it so soon. So it would be Yuki, maybe Nikado Push, or they will steal someone else from another team or use their third driver. Yeah, a proven quantity would be, you know, the best thing for for them because they want to take as many points as they can in the championship. Obviously, they've got their their championship winner, Max Verstappen, that they would never get rid of, you know, so they need someone to support him. Coops, you've got your hand raised. Yes, while I was while we were talking, I was doing a bit of left-handed googling and had a wee look at who they've actually got as the junior driver. And the one that stands out to me, there's a couple that I quite like, but the one that ones that stand out to me really are a uh, Awasa uh, and Dennis Hauger. Uh, so if you're thinking maybe 25-26, I could see one of them going in there if the progression goes. They might need to prove themselves in the in the AlphaTauri first, obviously before jump. That they're not going to take someone straight from F2 to to Red Bull team, are they? That's are they got. They're going to cause that risk. I don't think so. But the problem you have is uh, AlphaTauri don't know how to build a good car these days. Uh, and I think that's the biggest problem we've got at the moment for, for uh, Sonoda and for Nick DeVries. I mean, that car is just horrid. I mean, you get fans toss saying he doesn't trust his engineers because they went, yeah, it's brilliant. <laughs> it's a really good car and you know, the numbers are working and then it comes out, it's not actually that good. You know, there's issues there. Ollie, you wanted to jump in at that point? Yeah, I mean, I think Nick DeVries is actually probably best positioned to take over from Sergio Perez when when he leaves. Uh, like we said before, I don't think Yuki Snowda necessarily proved himself enough. And whether their young drivers are of the right calibre to be, become a top Red Bull driver, I don't know. I don't know enough about them. But mm. like you said, I don't think Nick DeVries is best positioned if they were to put a young driver in that AlphaTauri seat. Is there enough time to get them... You know, ready for 2026? Maybe not, but also maybe if they're very good. Natalia, have you got anything to add to the whole speculation as as who could replace Sergio Perez if Sergio Perez was to leave the team? Well, as manner, I'm kind of biased. I would love to see Daniel Rick back in Rebel. Like, I mean, I would love to see that. But as she says, you know, it's really hard when you want to put a rookie just into a, a big team, like directly with like, with like, as Coop says, you know, it's really hard when you don't have like, you know, a very good card to perform and to show your whole potential that you might have. Yeah. So, yeah, probably Nick DeVries will be, like, the best option for it. He has the experience, maybe in a different, you know, category, but he does have it. So, yeah, I, w- I would think that in terms of a rookie, he will be, like, the best option, of course, for Red Bull. Amy, you've got something else to say about the situation? I kind of agree with Natalia in the sense that it, I really want to see Daniel Ricciardo back in a Red Bull. Who doesn't? But then whoever takes that seat next, you can't have ambitions to be a championship driver with Max Verstappen as your first driver. And I think that's a problem. Don't get me wrong. I think they could do well in a second Red Bull seat. I'm not saying that they can't do amazing things, but I think as long as Max Verstappen is in first driver's seat, they're mm. always going to be a second driver, material driver, which in my opinion, is perfect for Daniel Ricciardo. But has he got the talent right now 
jumped back into a Red Bull. And that is the conversation that everyone's trying to have because I don't think he's at that having been in that McLaren. I don't think it helped him at all. And he's got to get back on that level. But now he's with Red Bull, the, the team that he kind of flourished with, and they're going to build him up again after, you know, Christian Horner said, you know, he's, he's been here five minutes and I'd, I'd be happy to put him in the car. He would be perfect, I think, because I don't think, it's not that he hasn't got the ambition to be a world championship driver. Let's, let's be honest, they all go in there wanting to be one. That's why you become an F1 driver, do you know what I mean? With Max Stappen as your first driver, you've got to expect not to. And I think with Perez, he wants it. And we've all been seeing in the last like season, like he wants that so badly and in a way I kind of want it for him as well I'm like go on like but then at the same time you can see Max's point of view is like I'm the first driver I he does in essence take priority and Mm. I think they need a good team player and I think Daniel Ricciardo might just be that good team player rather than bringing in a rookie no no I can see what you're saying absolutely I think we've probably covered that subject quite well I think we can move on to the next one well the the next one could actually be about Daniel Ricciardo because there were rumours and kind of speculation going around the paddock that he has got a seat for next year. Now, I, that is all the speculation states. Who that would be with, I have no idea. Would it be with Red Bull directly? I mean, that's I think that's the only place he would want to go. I can't see him going to Haas because he's already told them he's going to be too expensive to go to Haas or any of those other type of teams. So, I mean, what is the speculation all about? Coops, you, you kind of messaged me about that. that and I and brought it to my attention. What, what do you think? I think he's already got a deal. Where? Mm, it could be Haas, because the thing about it is you have a year out, that's fine. You have a second year out, you're not going back to Formula 1. It's just not but who's going happy. at Haas? Who, K-Mag's got the, got the two-year deal, so maybe his deal this runs his out at the end year. of the year. Yeah, runs out at the end of the year. Hamburg's obviously just signed a new deal for, I think it must have been a multi-year deal. But it'll be two, it'll be like a year with options. Like this is Haas we're talking about. Gunter Stein has actually already said that he he would be open to having a conversation with Ricardo, but he's not at that point yet. We've only had three races. But you know, I mean that's still I mean, I don't really think Gunter Steiner's the best. I thought he was too expensive because Gunter Steiner said he was too 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 rich for rich for his blood. The, the thing you've got to remember is Haas have now got their title sponsor that actually know how to give them money and not tweet bad things about them. Unlike a previous title sponsor. Uh, but no, I, like Daniel Ricardo was speaking to Crofty during, during Australia and he kind of was like, you know, will we see you soon? He's like, oh, I'm enjoying it. He says, no, he was kind of just hinting. It was the way he was saying things. No, you know, I will be around next year. It was like a wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Now, this could be Daniel Ricardo just having a bit of fun because he's in Australia and, you know, he's having, he was getting all the attention. You know, he, he's a good driver. Do I think he's as good as he was back, you know, a few years ago when he was at Red Bull? No, I don't. Uh, I think the way that Formula One's evolved, it's kind of took a, an element that Daniel Ricciardo used and done well with away from him. The cars aren't the same as what he had back then. Uh, but he hasn't forgotten how to drive. You, you don't lose talent. Mm. Like, it's a bit like the Sebastian Vettel in his last year at Ferrari, you know. It's just sometimes the cars don't work for you. Sometimes you're retired by Formula One because Formula One moves away from what you, and you just can't adapt. Uh, but I do think he's going somewhere. Let's go to Manon. You you kind of winced when he said Haas, Coops, then. What was the wince about? Where would you see Danny Rick if he didn't go, well, to, to Red Bull next year? Or, or do you think he's going to Red Bull next year? No, my, my wince comes from, I, I basically have like Danny Ricardo on, on Google Alert, right? I don't know where those rumors <laughs> come from. The last thing we knew, Daniel made his big comeback at home, which I thought was like pure genius because he created that sort of 
well, we miss him, we miss him. And suddenly he came back as that homeboy. And mm. you've got Christian Horner telling anyone who will listen that is back to his old way, that McLaren was a glitch, that, mm. you know, the real Ricardo's back. And then you've got Daniel talking to Channel 4, to David Coulthard, saying he ideally would want to see that Red Bull, but he wants to draw for a top team because he thrive at the top. He want to fight at the top, otherwise it's not worth it. So I don't know why now that nothing has happened for three weeks, that Daniel hasn't given one interview since, mm. suddenly he's considering Haas again. When... He is going to be at at least eight races this year. Why would he make a decision now when he can mm. at least until the summer break, let Christian run around and basically be his PR and tell everyone <laughs> the golden boy is there, he's available, take him. Why would he settle? No, I don't know if it's settling because how's are not doing too badly with, with Kevin and Nico? So it's not settling, but why go around and saying, yeah. I want to fight at the top because that's where I thrive and immediately sign with us if you're gonna yeah. sign with us do it in september but so that's why i thought like i don't know i haven't read any of those rumors and i've tried and looked for them and so yeah. i don't i just don't believe in them yeah no i i personally don't believe them either and i i don't think I don't think, like you say, I don't think he'd go to Haas because he's already turned them down and they've already said that he's too rich for them. Ollie, what are, you, what are your thoughts on this situation with Danny Rick? Yeah, so, well, I think I'd speak for everyone, especially Amy. We all want to see Daniel Ricciardo back on the grid next year, right? I think at the end of 2022, it was a case of a top seat or a year out, year out, rest, recuperation, come back, reset for 2024. I think in 2024, it could be a slightly different story. I think mm. he might just take anything he can get to get back on the F1 grid, even if that's in a Haas or Williams, perhaps. And let's not forget Alpha Tauri. He's back in the Red Bull family now. You could end up back where it started. Yeah, maybe take uh, Yuki out or or Nick DeVries, but I can't see Nick going just yet. But yeah, you could absolutely replace one of those. There aren't the same links that there were previously to keep Yuki Tsunoda in a seat with Honda. Obviously, Honda was backing Yuki quite a big deal. They don't, don't have that link anymore. So is there a kind of the impetus to keep him in the seat? Right then, well, let's talk about our predictions for 2026. So what we're doing here with the predictions for 2026, obviously, there's going to be more teams, hopefully potentially more teams and then we want to see who's going to be in those those seats as well because there are contracts running out and there are people that think that certain people are going to be leaving very shortly certain people that are going to stay around for a a lot longer in their career let's see what everyone else everyone believes on this panel so i'm going to go around and talk about teams and teams wise what what teams do we expect to see on the grid in 2026 now obviously they're trying to bring on new teams there's obviously been lots of speculation about a certain american team do we think we'll see those on the grid in 2026 we'll go to ollie first what what do you think i'll say the name to kind of give you the prompt andretti do you think we're going to see andretti on the grid with cadillac look i think there's a strong possibility that we are going to see andretti on the grid but at the same time it's f1 you never know what's going to happen they could not be on the grid Uh, it's Mm. as simple as that it's too hard to call yet i don't think we know obviously andretti have strong intentions they want to get on the grid they're keen to get on the grid and apparently they're preparing they will be on the grid but obviously, we don't know. It's hard for new teams to get onto the grid. We haven't seen it really since, apart from Haas in 2016, since 2010. So it's a rarity, but it would be nice, I think. Even though if F1 is at equilibrium with 10 teams, it works perfectly with 10. There is room for an 11th if they come in with the right value proposition. So it's whether Andretti and F1 come to an agreement that suits both. And so what's your, what's your, what's your money on, if you were to say? If you were, if you were to lay... Five pounds on Andretti being in in 2026 or being out in 2026. What are you going to do? 
You got a gun to my head. I'm going to say Andretti will be on the grid. Everyone else's opinion on Andretti. Let's go to Coops. Coops, Coops, Coops. What do you reckon? Andretti, will they be on the grid? Are you looking forward to them being on the grid? If so, what are your thoughts? Oh, yeah, of course. I'm looking forward to seeing it on the grid. Do I think it will be? I mean, it's like, it's like all I said, it's a difficult one to call. It's very much a closed shop in there. The teams are like, no, because we want all the prize money for ourselves. <laughs> uh, whereas you've got Formula One going, but we like them. So... Okay, I would, I'm going to say no. I think there's, uh, I think they're just going to be, it'll just be a close shot. I think we'll see. They might end up looking at Alpha Tauri and just buying the team rather than being a brand new entry. If it's that's probably the only possibility out with the new team for the Alpha Tauri team to be bought out by them. Yeah, I, I, my personal opinion is I think they will be on the grid. I'd, I'd like to see them on the grid and I'd like to see more positions for new drivers to come in as well. There are so many drivers wanting to be on that grid. Drivers that I'd like to see kind of racing with the big dogs of the Formula One world. Manon, let's go to you then. So do you think we'll see an additional team in Andretti in 2026? Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised and I would be happy to see an extra team. The more the more the merrier it means more drivers get to be there because you know i want some drivers to come back i want the juniors to get a shot so the yeah. more teams means the more drivers get to show what they can do and with the competition getting tighter and tighter each year because of the new regulation it would be very exciting if we can have like nine teams at the top and i don't i don't know two or three back match markers or something like yeah i'm all for it i have no idea if it will happen but i'm all for it Okay, and Natalia, what do you reckon? Would you like to see Andretti, and do you think they will be on the grid, making an 11th team in 2026? I actually see that that could happen, and like the same as men, I'm like, you know, it's better when you can have like more teams, when you can, you know, see the future potentials of Formula One, when, you know, there's a lot of rookies right now, and that deserve a shot. So, yeah, it's kind of hard when you only have like 10 teams and amazing drivers at the moment. So, yeah, if you could have the possibility of have another team that, you know, should give the chance for another rookie, then, yeah, who can say like maybe another team could be like 12 teams in the grid. It sounds crazy, but it could happen. Yeah, absolutely. There's there's absolutely space for a 12th team. You know, they, they say that they would be open to having 12 teams on the grid, a 12 competitive team. And, and in an age of cost cap, there's been, you know, a lot of interest for that 12th team as well. So we could see any number of, of teams applying, but whether they'll get through or not is for us to kind of wait and see, I guess. Coops, you've got something to add to, to what was being said. Yeah, so back in February, the FIE actually announced invitations or announced that they would for the tender yeah so they, they basically look into any potential new teams which was the first time that they'd actually recognized or announced any kind of recognized system for new teams to come into formula one because they mm. didn't have one prior to this they were basically saying nope we're not doing it there's not even a system interestingly the deadline for anyone who is interested in putting a team forward now this is just like a note of interest this is just teams saying we would like to do it and this is our information it expires at the end of this month Right, okay. Uh, Zach Brown has came out. This is on racefans.net, 17th of April, uh, written by Keith uh, Collantine. He, Zach Brown says he, he thinks there could be up to four potential entries or potential new teams going to the FIA, which would obviously include Andretti. You've got the the, the ex-head of BAR, uh, Craig Pollock, I think that's his name, who's come up with this new team, which is a 50-50 split between male female uh, and funded by the Saudi Arabians, apparently this is a new a new team he wants to bring up. 
So that's that's two. It's 50-50 split representation, sorry, between male and female. He says that it's easier to do that with a new team than do buying an old team and changing it, apparently. Right, uh, okay. Makes sense, I guess. Formula One is it's as a as an entity is much more appealing because of the cost cap. Because beforehand teams wouldn't come in when you had Mercedes and Red Bull spending four or five hundred million a year. Mm. Now they're just not able to do that. So, you know, investment groups and people that have this money that can actually come in and think that's not going to bankrupt me in five years, you know, it's worth a it's worth an opportunity if you can get the right sponsors and investors together. So, you know, we could be looking at if the FIA decide to come out and actually talk about it and announce like these are the four teams that have decided that have put an interest in. But I think that they did say, F1 have said they, they'll only allow two, didn't they? Yeah, the way that the Concord agreement's written and the way that the rules and regulations are written is that 12 is maximum. Yeah. They're only 11. So the well, if there is going to be up to four, then there'll be like an audition process, as it were. Mm. Uh, and it'll be looking at everything from financials and can they pay? There's a two hundred million pound fee they have Buy to get yeah. straight away, which the, the other dilution teams are, fee, isn't it? Yeah, for, for all the other which teams. The other teams are actually saying is is actually not right. It should be upwards of four hundred to five hundred million, which is probably right because the two hundred million was done at a time when Formula One wasn't quite as good as it is now in in the in the, in the financial sense and the, the way it's the, the business is running so but that's a lot of money to have to to kind of fork up yeah, that's, uh, and that's before you even put any any money into kind of developing a car developing a factory for that you know for, for you to build that car and hiring team members and those sorts of things it's it's it's, it's a big old outlay already at 200 million so yep. for the teams asking uh, for more that's going to be it's, well, it's a lot. It's, it's it's going to be a lot. They can't do anything about it just now because it's in the Concord agreement. It's two hundred million. You can't change that. Yeah. That's the agreement, as far as I understand it. So all it means is that they'll reject it when when it comes in. They'll, they'll kind of well, go against it, I guess. They could do. It'll be interesting uh, when the end of this month comes in. You know what the FIA will release, whether they'll release anything. Nobody actually knows what the process is because the FIA haven't actually said anything. They've basically said, look. In the interested, come, you know, send us your paperwork. Now, we don't know what FIA are asking for. We don't know what the criteria is. We just know that they're open to listen. We don't know how transparent that system will be. They may just come out in six months' time and say, these are the two teams that are going to enter in 2026. And then that'll be the first we've heard of it. Or they might be a bit more transparent, which we hope. You know, they'll say, look, these are the guys. This is how it will be. Obviously, they'll not divulge too much. You know, you don't want to. And there'll be NDAs and all sorts of confidential information to the finances and stuff but you know it'll be interesting hopefully they'll give us something okay Uh, amy what have you got to add to this whole discussion Um, of additional teams on the grid just a quick one really but it's the i think i agree with the cost cap thing it's going to attract more like companies and businesses to come into formula one which i think is great but my only thing would be is that formula one cars aren't getting smaller to be honest and our tracks such as Monaco are going to be a bit, I don't know, on the boring side then of racing or will what, it be Because they've got more cars. Yeah. Well, we, we used to have like 26, 30 cars going around, you know. With smaller cars though. Yeah, yeah. And I think the overtaking on some tracks is coming up to, like, it's quite hard to do on most tracks nowadays, I think. The bigger the car, obviously, it's going to be harder without causing the penalties and DNFs and whatever. And that might be entertaining for us as viewers, but overall, you want a race to go smoothly, I suppose, if the FIA wants to put out their rules. But... Well, as I said, 
they, they've agreed that 12 cars, well, 12 teams, sorry, it's obviously 24 cars, would be okay for, for the current grid. And I'm, I'd be happy with that amount with, with going around Monaco, going around, you know, and, and there's, you know, there's always the should Monaco be on the on the calendar anyway speculation going on so I would be happy with more teams I think it increases more competition I love competition Mm. hence why I watch the sport but I just I don't know I think I've got to see how they work on the track but you never know until it happens so Mm. just gotta wait Absolutely. Well, let's talk about pe- uh, individual people and drivers for 2026, because it is a merry-go-round, the world of Formula One, but some people seem to stick around. Now, let's talk about people who we think might stick around and the people that do currently kind of seem to be hanging around longer than than you, you would normally expect an F1 driver, Fernando Alonso. Now, there's always speculation about him retiring. Do you think, Natalia, that we'll see Fernando Alonso still hanging around in his ripe old age of what will he be when he's it'll be 44, 45 years old in 2026? Do you think it's possible for him to be still in a, in a team in 2026? I don't know, actually. I think now with the potential that Aston Martin have, like, you, you, I, I think that it's like very unpredictable whether he will go back, retire, or just you know keep trying for the championship. Like maybe if he saw you know the potential the team has this year, like maybe he just calculating you know like in one two years maybe things will be better. Like I don't know. Like it's very unpredictable with him at the moment. Like you know Aston Martin like race like have massive you know race these years so yeah I think for me personally to say like if I think he will be there or if he'll retire like I don't know like you know the situation is very unpredictable like I can I, you know I believe like no one was expecting you know the performance that Aston Martin have this year so yeah I think it, it will be you know yeah he could retire but if he's doing better and if he is still feeling you know good for racing then why not <laughs> Yeah, yeah, he's been saying, obviously, in recent interviews that, you know, he feels fresh, feels feels capable. And as long as he's getting a competitive car, why wouldn't he? Why would he quit? Sorry. So why wouldn't he hang around? I can't really see him saying and staying until 2026 personally, but you never know with Fernando Alonso. He could be literally the oldest person in, in F1 history out on the grid and still be competitive. Who who else? Should we talk about Lewis Hamilton? Now, Lewis Hamilton's obviously always a, a bit of an enigma because his contract's also due to run out very shortly. We go to Ollie. What do you reckon, Ollie? about Lewis Hamilton, the seven-time world champion. Do you think he'll be around on the grid in 2026? And if so, where do you think he'll be? I I have him down as not being on the grid in 2026. I think he said before he doesn't want to be racing into his 40s. It's all very well him saying that, though, but he very well could end up doing that. Yeah. Depends how badly he wants the eighth title, right? Mm-hmm. Um, he says he wants the eighth title, and I think a lot of people want to see that, and also a lot of people don't want to see that. But look, I think he's not going to go anywhere else. I think he's got keep faith in Mercedes because he won the lottery of that move from McLaren to Mercedes. It's very unlikely that he could strike that kind of luck again if Mercedes don't come up with a car. So look, I, I don't think he'll be on the grid in 2026. Okay, so who would replace him at Mercedes then? I'd have to say they've only really got one solid junior driver, which I think is Frederick Vesti. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think he's their only, their, he's their only kind of solid junior driver that Mercedes could consider. And if George Russell's anything to go by, have they got enough time to prepare him for a full works Mercedes seat in 2026? Probably not. So in that case, I'd go for Esteban Ocon, still managed by Toto Wolff, has those Mercedes ties. He seems like the most realistic option to take over alongside George Russell. Wow, maybe, 
maybe as you say yeah there is a link definitely there to toto wolf let's go to somebody else about that amy lewis hamilton and mercedes and then the replacement for mercedes obviously we don't I think this panel would be comfortable with saying George Russell will probably be in the Mercedes team in 2026, unless somebody shakes their head now. Yeah, so we're saying George is probably definitely for Mercedes in 2026, but who would be in that seat next to him? Would it be Lewis Hamilton or somebody else? I think I've hinted on this seriously, but I've got quite a controversial opinion on Lewis Hamilton. I It's not that he's not a good driver at all. Obviously, he is. He's a seven-time world champion. I'd be stupid to say anything different, but... I just don't think he's got it anymore, if that makes sense. I think he's running out of stamina. And I don't think he wants it as much either. And that might be a bit like very controversial out there, but it's the sense that he hasn't got... I can't see in him what you saw in him back in like 2008. I can't see that determination to get to where he wants to go. I don't know whether that's just me, but it's not... Because I think George Russell, personally outperforms Hamilton any day at the minute and it's not necessarily based on places I just think his George Russell's understanding of the Mercedes car and how it's racing I feel like as much as he's learning racing tips potentially from Hamilton and stuff I feel like Russell is definitely getting at least up there with Hamilton sort of thing he is challenging him and I think as a seven-time world champion should we be really be seeing that like he's been getting lots of black and white flags for random stuff in in a few races now and and it's like come on you are supposed to be one of the better drivers on the grid and you kind of I feel like he's just slotting in and that's not what I would expect from Lewis Hamilton personally who would you who would you replace him with that is a question I obviously I think like you said George Russell is going to be in the Mercedes team um I would I would love to see and this is I don't know whether this is actually going to be possible, but possibly Mick Schumacher. <laughs> oh. Name out there. <laughs> I don't think he'll ever get a seat again, but have, by all means, get... you can place him in your fantasy Mercedes team if you want. I want him to get a seat back in F1. Whether that's possible in the next couple of years will be a question I think anyone will say. But if not him, I think definitely. I think actually Esteban Ocon was a really good shout. I think the only thing that I think would tie him back to Alpine is the French. Manon, what do you reckon? As a French person yourself, could you see your fellow countryman, Esteban Ocon, driving alongside George Russell in a black silver arrow? Well, I I hadn't actually considered it until I only said it. <laughs> but no, actually, I, I quite like the idea because, yeah, like, you know, he was it was with Mercedes in 2019 when he, when mm. he had his, his year off. And, and obviously he's got the Toto tie. And, and I think ultimately it's with the French because... Toto sort of like managed to get him to see that runner back then. And but I don't think he has any ties like sponsor-wise or like he's not in the sport because he's French. So I don't think Harpin would sort of like have any any like any way to stand on to keep him. I mean, it is he good enough for Mercedes? I don't know. I'm not, I guess this is for the team principals to decide. And as an alternative, I I don't really have a better idea. I'm trying to think. I would, I guess I could, I could see a George Alex pairing, but I, I don't know if Alex Albon would be seen as good enough to try a Mercedes after what did he at Red Bull. So I'm going to go with Esteban. 
Okay. Okay. Well, we're all going for Esteban here. Well, there's a couple of you going for Esteban. I, th- do you know, I'm going to go with go against the grain, and I think Lewis Hamilton will still be in the seat in 2026. I've said this quite a few oh. times. I, I think, I think personally, I think he'll be still there. I think he'll want that eighth, and if he hasn't got it by 2020, 2026, then. 2026 he'll be there for another season at least and I don't think Mercedes would ever kick him out obviously it's it's up to him to kind of retire as and when he wants to and they'll give him a car for as long as he wants one let's talk about a different team because we don't want to just dwell on Mercedes all day Coops let's talk about Ferrari could Lewis Hamilton head over to Ferrari or are we going to see two other drivers over there in Ferrari? Obviously, there's been spe- been speculation of that. The Lewis Hamilton move to f- to the Scuderia, but I can't personally see that. What, what do you reckon? Uh, I think that Hamilton will not go to Ferrari. I think he's came out and said that he wants to spend his last days at Mercedes. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a tricky one, Ferrari, because if they can get their, their ship in order, then <laughs> <laughs> then I would I would. I would think that Leclerc will stay. I think he's desperate for them to be contenders. I think mm. he really wants to win it for Ferrari, you know, it's, and he's getting frustrated because they're just not clicking for whatever reason. Mm. Uh, so if they get themselves sorted, I don't see their lineup changing. I think the, the, the two drivers they've got, they're quite young, they're good drivers, they're competitive. The team loves them. The Tifosi love them. That um, might be the case, but do you think they themselves would get fed up of being in a Ferrari if Ferrari cannot give them a car? It'll be the same situation as Hamilton. If Mercedes can't give Hamilton a car, he won't be there in 2026. So it's, that's that's the big thing. For any any driver, any team, you don't get a car, they're, they're, they're phoning their agent and going, <laughs> go and chat the other nine doors and see what you can get for me. You know, so, but you're, but at this point in time, you're saying it'll be the same lineup stay. for 2026. Yeah, I think they'll stay. I think, I think Ferrari should get. I hope Ferrari will sort themselves out over the next couple of years. Maybe they, maybe they, maybe they'll they'll go upwards for the rest of the year. Let's face it, can't get any worse. I think it's <laughs> the worst start since 2009, Ferrari. Mm. Uh, so uh, I think they'll sort themselves out, get a bit better, and then hopefully over the next couple of years, be pushing at the front. Okay, let's talk about who do you think we're going to lose from the grid that's currently there, you know, driving around. What teams are going to, are going to kick out their driver and then are not going to get placed again? Let's go to let's go to Natalia. Who who do you reckon is going to be no longer on the grid that's currently on the grid within for, for 2026? Yeah, I probably would say could be worried about Yuki. Yeah. No, I, I can see, you know, see him losing his seat, you know, with so much potential F2 and F3. I could see him, you know, out in 2026, you know? So, yeah, I think that will be, like, the first person, sadly, that I would think about. You know, I like him. Like, he's a very, you know, cute guy and everything. And, and, and But I think, you know, he can do so much better. So, yeah, that I think my, my first guess will be him. Anyone else want to add someone else to the to the non no longer on the grid? We'll go to Oli. Ollie, who do you think will no longer be on the grid in 2026? Yeah, so I was playing with my whole 2026 grid before the podcast, and I've got down Fernando Alonso, Lewis Hamilton, Yuki Tsunoda, Logan Sargent, and Valtteri Bottas all to lose their seats. Um, wow. Of my head is what I had down. Yeah. So that's quite a, quite a change then. But again, probably not unrealistic with, obviously, 
Lewis Hamilton and the Fernando Alonso situation, just because of sheer age, as they are drivers. Valtteri Bottas is a surprise to me. Maybe he'd be a good kind of talisman for uh, for one of the newer teams coming in if there is, if there are new teams or or kind of a strong you know just. Develop car developer for one of the new teams. So you, you're shaking your head, Coops. You, you don't think Valtteri Bottas will be there either? No, because right now he's doing a very good Kimi Raikkonen impression of phoning <laughs> it in. It's, yeah, I don't see it. I think the way things are going, I don't think he'd be there next year. Oh wow! You know, it'll be it's going to return to Sauber at the end of this year because Alfa Romeo deal's finishing up. Uh, who I would put in the car? Not 100 sure. I just don't. You know. I mean, to be fair, the Alfa Romeo car we've got this year is almost as bad as the Alfa Tauri. It's just not working. But he's just, it's not clicking for him just now. It's, mm. you know, if it continues the way it's going, you know, shake hands, you know, go and enjoy your naked swimming in the stream with your mullet and your tash. You know, <laughs> thanks for everything. You know, I don't see it. If it goes on, I think he might be out. He might be out along with Yuki Tsunoda at the mm. end of the season. Uh, Ollie, carry on. Sorry, you've got your hand up. Yeah, I just think, look, I agree with, Jamie, you know, he's not setting the world alight out from there. He's not, you know, and and by the time 2026 comes around, he's going to be mid 30s, 35, 36. We've already, we already have Carlos Sainz, Sergio Perez with 35, 36. We'll probably end up being talisman for those midfield teams, perhaps. So look, it'll be, I, I don't see Bottas there effectively. Okay. Sting and Manon, who, who do you think is going to lose their seat by 2026 off the current grid? So I was sort of thinking around Valtteri but not really for the same reason but just because I think Alfa Tari and Alfa Romeo if they keep going at the rate of going out and being a bit like really mid they might want to like shake up their driver pairing instead of you know looking at themselves in the mirror and blame the car so I think these are the drivers that are more at risk of being done than like the Charles or I mean George obviously or Max like those guys are like safe I feel, yeah, if you go a bit down the grid, that's where it becomes a bit more like fragile. So I was thinking, you know, Joe or Valtteri or Nick and Yuki, I will not bet money on them being on the grid in 2026, but not because of them, because of their current teams. Okay, we've got obviously F2 drivers chomping at the bit in kind of driver programs, wanting to come and be the next big thing in Formula One. Who do we think from the F2 alumnus from the last few years will be within F1 in 2026? I'll just be very quick. I feel like it's sort of a make it or break it. If the Opel share wins the championship this year, it will probably grab one of the sober Alfa Romeo seat because the main reason he's still in F2 this year is because they really wanted him to do it. Like they're, they're sponsoring him, just funding the East seat, I think. Mm. So I think if he wins, it's sort of a no-brainer. And if he doesn't, does he stick around in formula, any formula? I don't know. But I think, yeah, so it's going to depend on how well he does. And he's done well so far. He's got a really good car in F2. So that's, that's if I had to bet money on one F2 drive to make it into F1, I would probably take that risk and bet on him. Absolutely. He's doing a phenomenal job this year. And yeah, you know, absolutely. I think there's going to be a few of them within the, the F1 grid. And he is one of the bigger names to, that could appear there. Yeah, totally agree with Manon. I, I see Theo Pouchette on the grid next year. He is one of the big names in F2. I see him in that Alfa Romeo seat, well, what will be Salva's seat next year, alongside Valtteri Bottas, Grand Ujot, out the door. And then you've also got Liam Lawson, at who's in Super Formula, I believe. I keep saying I don't know anything about the junior formulas, but I keep putting out these names. But yeah, I see <laughs> Liam Lawson 
I see Liam Lawson in the AlphaTauri actually next year. I think he'll get the promotion. He's done enough to prove himself, I think. So he's a very legible candidate, as well as Iwasa. I don't know his first name, but Iwasa, who's doing very well in F2. And we can't forget either Felipe Drogovic, the winner of last year's Formula 2 season, obviously had a fantastic season. He has won everything that he's competed in. Currently, he is a development driver or a young driver for Aston Martin. So I believe that he's absolutely got a seat available to him within one of the teams. It may not be Aston Martin, depending on how good Fernando Alonso finds his season at Aston Martin. But I think he would be key to replace Fernando as soon as obviously Fernando would leave I think he will also look for a seat before that so if he doesn't get a seat as of 2024 I think we'll see him in another team anyway on the grid next year that's just my guess and obviously wherever he wherever he lands next year will be wherever he'll be in 2026 anyone else that we want to add into the grid Coops did you have did you want to add anyone into the grid in 2026 I think I like Hauger actually I think he might end up in the grid but again the problem you have with F2 is the, the number of seats. If, you know, if Theo Pochier wins it, he has to fight somewhere, mm. you know, then is there going to be enough? So, I, I mean, I think, I think as the other guys have said, Theo Pochier, I, I, I do like Awasa, and I think Dauga, potentially. I think the other guys that I've seen and I've looked at could probably afford to maybe have one more year. Mm. Yeah, but those are the guys that are at that point where they have to move on. Certainly Theo Pochier, for sure. He needs to kind of move over from F2, regardless of how the season goes and step up to something, I think. Amy, what do you reckon? I, like everyone else, I think Teo Pachea definitely is up there for me as well. But I do think um, Formula 2 is probably the hardest racing category there is to find anything after. It's one of the, I feel like it's, it's such a hard, it's a, it, I think it's a hard racing category to even perform in racing mm. life anyway I think there's so much talent coming in everywhere your competition is like so I think it's probably even more intense than it is in F1 and I think that's the problem we have of getting them into F1 it's the fact that the jump from F3 to F2 is nothing compared to the jump from F2 to wherever they go because they could likelihood it is they won't go from F2 to F1 and they'll have to fill that in. And I think that's interesting. And I really like to see where these drivers go because they all have so much potential. And just to be an F2 themselves, I think is brilliant. And I love seeing where they go off after it. So I'm looking forward to seeing anyone who comes through. Are there any surprise people that we're going to see within moving different teams in 2026 then? Who do you think will be no longer in their team, but going to a surprise team for 2026? Coops waving at me frantically. Who do you think? Norris is going to be an Audi. You've been saying that on the podcast for the last God knows how long. So you've, mm-hmm. you've, you've got to stick with that now. You're, you're, you're kind oh, of m- money's on that one. Yeah, no, McLaren just, they've kind of stagnated a bit. Mm. And I think by the time you get to probably 2026, it goes to Audi. Andre Seidel's in there. He's keeping an eye on Norris, I think. If Norris wants to prove Manning wrong and actually be seen <laughs> as a good driver, because Manning doesn't understand the whole Norris thing, uh, <laughs> that... If, if McLaren aren't doing well and for him to kind of keep his stock high and show like everyone rates him, including Lewis Hamilton, uh, <laughs> that he kind of needs to move on and prove it. Uh, so I think he would probably go there because, you know, he got on really well with Andrew Seidel, so did everybody, I think, to be honest. So that's where, that's where my money's going on and that's where my five Scottish pounds are going on. Amy? 
I don't think he's doing any favours with Norris staying where he is at no. all. Ah, like, what's he gaining really for? I, McLaren's gaining from him mega. What's he getting from McLaren? I think I think he likes McLaren because he's comfortable. He knows he's got that safety net of the fact that, oh, they're not going to get rid of me. And I think he likes that. I don't think he likes being unsafe, which is fine. But I think I could pose the question now, actually, if Daniel Ricciardo didn't get the second driver's seat at Red Bull, I really would love to see Norris to Red Bull. But then obviously there's been news about that and he's turned down Red Bull in the past or they've had conversations and you've said no. But with his and Max's friendship off the grid, I don't think that would be a bad pairing, to be honest. Mm, but maybe he wouldn't want to be overshadowed by Max, even though he's his friend. It's always it's always a difficult one to go against, isn't it, with Max? He's obviously a very, very talented driver and do people want to be play second fiddle to him? Yeah. Okay, well, I think we've pretty much summed up our ideas from the 2026 grid. We had a good couple of conversations about you know, where drivers' careers may go or may not go, as it were. Well, okay, so those are our predictions for the 2026 grid in Formula 1. Obviously, it's going to be it's the next big rule change. There are contracts running out, which is why we thought it would be an interesting conversation to have. Okay, well, I'm just going to fi- finalise the podcast and speak to Ollie Patas. Now, Ollie, you are a TikToker. You, you kind of mentioned some of the things that you do. Do you want to kind of go into more detail now about what, what it is and where our fans can find you? Yeah, so it's literally just my name, double L-I-E, P-A-T-T-A-S. Find me on TikTok, Instagram, and YouTube. You know, daily content clips from calls with my lovely subscribers who I chat to and give them a platform to talk about F1 and get their opinion heard on my platform. And there's also other content, me just replying to comments about F1, me talking about F1, and also interviews with F1 fans in public, whether that be at the F1 Arcade, whether that literally be in public mm-hmm. so yeah and how long have you been doing it for what kick-started you into into that kind of way of, of doing tiktoks yes i'm just over two years in now started in 2021 with absolutely no idea what i was doing but as we all do i'm sure you as well james we figure it out as we go along um mm-hmm. we evolve what we produce here i am now fantastic so how many followers you got what what, what kind of interviews do you do with the with the followers yeah so tiktok is at 11 11k now Wow, uh, and yeah, we we with my subscribers, we work to a framework with different topics each kind of each month when I speak to them, and then again in public, it's all about you know playing fun little F one trivia games, playing fun content games, and just getting their F one knowledge, F one opinions, and getting that out there. Hmm. And how how do you find your fans? Do you kind of book venues or anything like that? Obviously, or you t- you tell them you're just going to be at the F one arcade to do to do those sorts of things. Yeah, well, obviously in public, it's just with anyone I can find anyone who says <laughs> they would be in an interview, like you were doing at that first watch party. Yeah, very similar to that. And then yeah, the subscribers of mine can book a call with me and we can chat about F one. Who would you Who would your dream interview be? Dream interview. Well, it has to be Lewis Hamilton, I think. You're a big fan of Lewis? I'm not a big fan, but I like him. I think he's very he's an intriguing character. I'd love to speak to him. And yeah, I follow his whole F1 career. So so yeah. Fantastic. Well, where can everyone find you again? Yeah, again, TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, Ollie Patas, O-L-L-I-E-P-A-T-T-A-S. 
Fantastic. Well, everyone head over to Ollie's and give him a like, subscribe, and maybe even appear in one of his videos oh, on yeah. his TikTok. You never know. You never know. Well, we are the Everything F1 team. Thank you very much for coming to tune in and speak well, speak to us, listen to us even, over this podcast. It's been to speak to the gang about their thoughts on 2026 and, of course, the, the latest news articles from the F1 world. If you want to follow us for more, you can head over to our socials. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok at the handle at joinef one and you can find us on our website www.everythingf1.com and of course you're listening to us on this podcast right now we would love it if you just hit the subscribe button on your favorite podcast streaming service to get all of your latest podcasts in your earlobes as soon as they drop i've been james tiller this has been my team natalia manon amy and coops bye guys bye bye uh, thank you very much again to ollie we've been the everything everyone podcast bye-bye bye-bye, bye-bye.